What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 100. Oh, I might have talked over top of you. Normally, I try to time it. Might have just uh, went uh, right over there. Whatever. So I'll we're recording this. You can fix it in post. Yes, I sure can. <laughs> so, friends, this is episode 170, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Endgame. Endgame! It's, 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 it's the last part. This is the spot where you got you to gotta get the, as many points as you can, because somebody has already crossed the finish line. There's only one more round left. That's right. That house is that how it's gonna go? There's only there's only one more. No, wait, there's more rounds. Whatever. Well, so so there are like ten more episodes in this season and <laughs> two more seasons after that. I yeah, believe that yeah. there are twenty episodes in each of those. So let me do the math. That's fifty episodes left. You know, that's 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 not I mean, that's not nothing, but on the other hand, that's boy, we're gonna that's gonna happen here rather soon. Hey yeah. friends, we're an independent podcast, and you can continue continue. Why do I say it like that? I it's don't not know like why we're you can stop doing it. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, we got a thing on uh, buymeacoffee.com. So we used to do the Patreon thing and that was cool and all, but uh, we decided to kind of switch, switch gears up a little bit and acknowledge that, look, like, you know, sometimes people would like to support us as a one-time thing. Sometimes people want to support us on a regular thing. Sometimes people just don't want to support us and that all of those are valid. And so shifting the focus away from like Patreon with the monthly blah, liberty over to buy me a coffee felt like the right move. So if you go to our website, WTTS.space, space, then you can click on the bottom right corner. There's a little coffee mug icon and you can buy us a coffee or two or five or whatever. There's also the option to kind of click in a little bit deeper and they have what they call memberships so that you could do that per month if you wish. Um, and uh, Zach, do you want to talk about the cool thing that we just added? Sure. I'll talk about it. So yeah. um, one of the things that we did do on the Patreon um is if we got to that $75 mark per month, we would start doing recording episodes of Infinity and adding it to the mix. Well, we felt that we didn't finish Infinity, but we should probably give you an opportunity to get us to finish Infinity. So uh-huh. we have yeah. on uh, the Buy Me A Coffee site, so go to our website, wtts.space. Space! And then hit that little coffee icon in the bottom right corner, and then... Uh, you'll have to do a little bit of navigating to the wish list. And on the wish list, there is a uh, place that you can uh, add money to a specific wish list item. And one of those items is for the next two episodes of uh, Stargate Infinity. Uh, yeah. So it's a wish list for $150. And if we get that paid for, uh, then we will do, what would you say, episode seven, eight and nine? Is that what we said? Eight and nine, that's right. Um, for, eight and nine. for Stargate Infinity. And the plan is that uh, if that gets um, hit, uh, then we'll adjust that and put a new wish list for the next two episodes and so on and yep. so forth uh, until we get through uh, either the end of the Walking Through the Stargate project or we have watched all of the Infinities. Whichever comes first. Whichever comes first. <laughs> Look, if we get to the end of our Stargate project, which is a while from now, and we still haven't finished Infinity, I'm probably not going to feel too bad about that. But if you want us to talk about that silly, <laughs> non-canonical Stargate cartoon, this is your way to do that. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> there you go. But Zach. Yes, Brent. I need to tell people where they can find our podcast. Oh, yes. Where can you find <laughs> our podcast? <laughs> Which is hilarious. Why we're prom- promoting 
where you can find our podcast from within our podcast. You the have found our podcast, but just in coming. case you lose it, this yeah. is how you find it. <laughs> if you lose our podcast, you can find it on Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts. And uh, my personal, oh, I should add that in here. Um, and my personal favorite, any podcast aggregator. You type in walking through the Stargate and you could find us again. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that they had lost our podcast, but thanks to thanks to me telling them where to find our podcast, <laughs> they have once again found our podcast. Oh, I forgot our website. It's on the website, too. Uh, where might they or how might they get a hold of us? And let us know that. <laughs> So if you unfortunately misplaced your beloved Walking Through the Stargate podcast, but now have found it again due to the wonders of our podcasting, Mm -hmm, let mm -hmm. us know what the story was, because that'd be a fun story, by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. And then you can, you know, this is what we call email, right? It's like electronic mail. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? So... So it's like snail mail, but it's it's electronic. It's digital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or or you can go to Facebook or the website or the discords. Um, yeah, that's about it. That, that's yep. where you can get us. That's where you can find us. Yep. Um, and 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 you talked about uh, uh, the 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 buy me a coffee. Yep. Um, we do have a couple of uh, second chances episodes. That uh, last week we recorded, those are come yep. out here in the next little while, and we've got a yep. couple more to do that to finish off that part of things. Yep, that's right. Um, so Brent, yes, shall we dig into this episode of Endgame? Yeah, let's dig into this thing. All right, let's do it. So the director is a guy we know quite well. His name is Peter DeLuise. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is hello, his- Peter. Hi, Peter. Uh, this is his second directing uh, uh, uh. credit this season of six. Uh, he directed Affinity, which is the one, the other one with the trust, or another one with the trust, uh, and and uh, Teal's girlfriend from next door, uh, and such. Yep. Uh, we have the teleplay for this episode is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. Yeah. This so is their. The, we got the big crew uh, on this one here. Yeah, we do. We got some big Stargate names doing this one. Yep. Uh, this is Joseph and Paul's third episode this season of six. Um, mm-hmm. and so I didn't actually write down what their previous episodes were. So I don't have that off the top of my head. Uh, but you can find it, dear listeners, by Googling it. You could Google it, or you could just re-listen to all our episodes. Or you could Bing it. Oh, you could Bing it. Yeah, I suppose you could. Is Ask Jeeves still a thing? It's you not, but is it? <laughs> yeah, ask, ask.com is still a thing. Ask.com. Oh. Yeah, that's that that still pulls up. <laughs> yeah, yep, okay. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can go to Yahoo search engine and search it there. Oh, can you? Yahoo. I, let's see I, here. I don't know. I haven't been to Yahoo in forever. Uh, let's find out. Yahoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like uh so let me let me see here. Uh so we got uh uh Joseph Malazzi. Uh how do you spell Malazzi? M A L M A L L O Z Z I. Thank you. Uh Paul Mully. M U L L I E. Thank you. Season eight, star, not Millie, Paul Mully. See, it autocorrected. That's yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah. Mully. Season eight, Stargate writing credits. Ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. Let's see what Yahoo has to say. 
Uh, we got a, a Wikipedia article for Paul Mully. We got a Wikipedia <laughs> article for Joseph Malazzi. <laughs> we got go. we got a Stargate wiki for Paul Mully and IMDb for Paul. Nope, doesn't help us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, there's half of a no. It's just telling us the writing credits is in the shows Stargate SG One, Stargate SG One Season Four. <laughs> Windows ah, of our yeah, nope. Yeah, yeah. Yahoo is just biting it. <laughs> Sorry. So don't go to Yahoo. Don't uh-huh. go to Yahoo. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, we have, anyway, we should get going, Brent, because we have several guest actors that we need to address. Okay, let's quit, let's quit screwing around. Okay, so the first guest actor I want to talk about is Scott Owen. This is the guy who plays Sergeant McKenzie at the very beginning, right? He's yes. talking yep. to uh, 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 Walter Radar. Harriman. Radar. Yeah. Uh, so this is a mini bio by Scott Owen himself Ooh, from IMDb. Okay. Scott Owen is a Canadian TV and film actor with 34 credits, not including an uncredited performance as Leo Danzinger in the X-Files Unrequited episode. Hmm. Scott worked as a main stage performer with Vancouver Theater Sports for over 15 years. Mm-hmm. As a stage actor, he has 30 years experience in both Vancouver and Halifax. He mm-hmm. has appeared on Neptune's main stage and toured the U.S. in a production of Peter and the Wolf. Uh-huh. He cool. now lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah, nice. There you go. I like Halifax. Yeah. I've actually never been there. I've been there a couple times. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, the only times I've ever been to Canada is when I've been in the, uh, uh, what's the name? Is it the Peace Gardens? The International Peace Gardens? That's uh, Is that the night, night name? I can't remember. It's, it's between North. It, it's a, Yeah, Julie is giving me a nod. It's between North Dakota and, and oh, there. Canada. Yeah. Um, and so you walk into that garden and it straddles the border and and if you're on the north side of the garden, then you're in Canada. If you're on the south side of the garden, you're in uh, the U.S. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's also all blocked off, so you don't, like, actually get to see Canada. But that's the only time I've ever been <laughs> in Canada. You get to look over a fence. There's Although Canada. Although that's not true. There was once, a uh, long, long time ago, that uh, we were in, I think, it, was it the Vancouver uh Julie is nodding at me. It was the Vancouver <laughs> airport. Uh, we took Air Canada from here to Japan. Oh, yeah. gosh. In the early aughts. Yes. <laughs> and so, so I've were, seen the Vancouver yeah. airport. Yeah. I've seen the International Peace Garden. I've, I've, uh, so I grew up in northern Michigan. And so lots of my friends like to joke that I'm Canadian, even though there are plenty of people who live in like the metro Detroit area who are far closer to Canada than I ever was. But I have been all over. I've been all over Canada, man. Been, been, been east, been west, been all over. Great, well, great place. There you go. I, I know Canadians. Does that count? That, it, that's, that's half. That, that's half of what makes Canada. No, that's three quarters of what makes Canada great. Okay. So, you know, I even know Canadians that don't know each other. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that's so, a you know. big deal because obviously... Can- Canadians all know each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, everybody in Canada knows each other. That's that's a fact. You go to you go to Montreal and they go. Oh. No, they don't sound like that Frenchman. They sound like Canadian. They 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 sound they sound like Quebecois, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, I know that stupid person from uh, from from Ottawa. They're terrible." That's what they sound like. Okay. Yeah. That, that that's that's probably offensive, but we'll run. And I know the person from Toronto. Also bad. <laughs> in any sad. case. Scott Owen's first IMDb credit came in 1989 when he played Petey in the movie George's Island. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and of course, we have to say hello to Gary Jones, our, the friend of the podcast, Gary yes. Jones. 
Yes. Uh, we say hello to Rob Lee again as Colonel Pierce this time. He's been a major yeah. in the past, but now he's been uh, promoted to Colonel. We say hello again to Mark Gibbon as Mazel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen him before. Uh, yep. We won't see him again. Nope. Um, we say hello to Jonathan Holmes, who played doc- plays Dr. Bricksdale. Yeah. Uh, he was born in England, in uh, Shrewsbury, uh, Shropshire, yep. England. Uh, sure, but yeah. He's... Well, <laughs> it's fine. I'm from Iowa. Come on. Yeah, that's okay. That's all good. Uh, he is known for Inuyasha, the movie, Three, Swords of an Honorable Ruler, Stargate uh-huh. SG-1, and Hulk uh-huh. Versus, uh-huh. Uh, as well as a TV series, Anne with an E. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. That's a relatively recent 2017-2019 uh, show. Uh, we will see him, uh, not this character, I don't believe, but we will see Jonathan Holmes in a future episode of Atlantis. Okay, nice. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in the TV series Master Keaton, uh, which I believe is uh, Japanese animation. Uh, mm-hmm. He played the voice of Angus in the English version, and that was in 1998. Aha, okay. Uh, we also have to say hello to Peter Bryant as Hoskins, Lucas Wolf as Jennings, and yep. Benny Deha as Brooks. Those are our handy-dandy trust agents. Yes. And then we need to say hello to... Um, well, then we'll, we'll have uh, Barkley Hope, who plays Lieutenant... Uh, who plays Colonel Lionel Pendergast from the, yeah. of the Prometheus and Sheila Horsdahl, who plays Lieutenant Womack. Yep. Uh, also of that. And then finally, uh, we need to introduce Brandy Ledford, who plays the Tokra Zarin. Yeah, introduce and say goodbye. And say goodbye. <laughs> um, we do have a very lengthy, beautifully written, really, uh, uh, mini bio by Alexandra Monroe. Okay. Who is Alexandra right. Monroe? I have no idea. But she wrote this about Brandy Ledford. Brandy Ledford is an American-Canadian actress, dancer, and former model. She was born on February 4th to Sandra and Ken Ledford. Her mother Uh is from Canada with New Zealand roots, and her father is part part Cherokee Indian from North Carolina. Brandy was raised in Redondo Beach, California with her mother and her younger sister and brothers. Mm. She discovered her love for dancing at an early age and began competing in local and national drill team competitions, winning the World Drill Team Championships in 1980. Hmm. After graduating from Redondo Union High School, Brandy started her modeling career. She lived in Japan, New York, and Canada, and traveled all over the globe as a model and dancer. Mm -hmm. From 1993 to 1996, Brandy attended the Baron Brown Studio in Los Angeles, California, where she studied acting with D.W. Brown. She continued her training with Margie Haber uh, at the Margie Haber Studio for a number of years. She made her film debut in a small but memorable role in the blockbuster movie Demolition Man in 1993, starring Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Her next role was as Bud's love interest on Married with Children, mm-hmm. which landed her the lead role of Alex Davies in ABC ABC production uh, in the ABC production of Aaron Spelling's Pier sixty six. Cool. Since then, she has starred as a series regular on several TV series and guest starred in popular sitcoms like Modern Family and mm-hmm. movies such as Rat Race 
and the HBO hit Zebra Lounge. She has a large sci-fi following due to her role as Doyle in Andromeda, mm-hmm. which she counts as her favorite character to play. In 2006, Brandy was cast in the critically acclaimed television show Whistler, for which she was nominated both uh, the Leo Award and the Gemini Award for her performance. Mm-hmm. Brandy continues to study dance and spends her time between Los Angeles, Vancouver, and Kauai, where she enjoys being a mom and a wife, and spends quality time on fitness, health, and helping others. Very nice. Uh, we will see her in another episode of Atlantis moving forward some of the time. It won't be Zarin. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, her first IMDb credit, while her first movie was Demolition Man, her first IMDb credit came in 1991 when uh, she was in a penthouse video. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and there you have it. Yep. Um, so the original air date for Endgame was September 17, 2004. Mm-hmm. Number one in the charts in the US, we were still listening to Goodies by Kira featuring Petey Pablo. Uh huh. Okay. But in the UK, we have shifted gears and now they're listening to Real to Me by Brian McFadden. Yeah. Sounds awesome. It, it, you know, it, it's kind of a light music, you know, just kind of a uh, slow ballad type of thing. Just kind of Probably. with a little bit of a driving beat in yeah. the back. Yeah. Uh, that just talks about how, m- with the way I love you, you are real to me. <laughs> Which is or, really inappropriate. Or it's a song of somebody who's all like, Nobody else can see you. <laughs> oh, well, you know, there's that too. <laughs> oh. Awesome. So, in the box office, yeah. we have several episodes, not episodes, several movies that are at the top of things. We have yeah. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow is number one. Yeah. I remember when that came out. I've yeah. never seen it. I also remember when it came out, and I think I've seen it, and I think that tells you everything you need to know. All I remember about it was that it was one of the first ever movies where the scenery was all CG. Yes. It was just 100% CG, which actually sounds like it would be a really fascinating and cool way of doing a movie. Um, Now, of course, many, many movies are like 85% CG now. Yes. Um, But, uh, you know, anyway, there you go. Uh, Number two was Mr. 3000. Sure. Yeah. That's all I know about it. I have no idea what that movie's about. Nope. But in Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is number three, there are probably like 3,000 zombies. Oh, yeah, probably so. Yep. Uh, Number four is another new movie coming out this week. Wimbledon. Uh It's about tennis. Sure. Maybe, Maybe. Maybe about the place. No, no, no. It's definitely about tennis. I mean, that's what they want you to think. I I bet you it's not about tennis. I bet you it's about love. Oh, oh, wait. You know what? I'm pretty sure that it's about, like, San Diego, California. Mmm. And their love of tennis. Yes. their love of tennis. Got it. Got it. Um, And number five is Cellular. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Sure. <laughs> this is a week of movies that, aside from wow. Resident Evil Apocalypse, I haven't seen any of them. 
Uh, um, I, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure I saw Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, but like, boy, September 2004, I, you know, there was, yes, lots going on. September going on. 2004 would have been, let's see here. We, okay, so to put this in my place, we have just moved back uh, from Japan uh-huh. and we are trying to figure out which way is up in our native country of Iowa. <laughs> well it's my native country it's not julie's native country yes but <laughs> she's still. a transplant yes anyway uh what was happening around this time on september 17th san francisco giants outfielder barry bonds hits his 700th career major league home run asterisk asterisk uh yeah don't do drugs kids don't, don't do, do drugs, drugs. Uh, adults also don't do drugs Unless they're prescribed by doctors, or in which case, uh, do them appropriately. Do them appropriately. Um, uh, On September 17th, also, Tamil is declared the first classical language in India. Oh, interesting. Yeah. On the 18th of September, the Farm Aid 17 was held in Auburn, Washington. Mm -hmm. Performers include Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Dave Matthews, Lucinda Williams, Steve Earle, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Mark Broussard. Nice. Um, Also then on the 18th, pop star Britney Spears weds rapper-dancer Kevin Federline in Studio City, California. K-Fed! I haven't said those words in probably 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oh boy, that yeah. was that was a time. Hmm. And then on September 19, uh, the at that point in time he was the Oakland Raider wide receiver Jerry Rice ends his NFL streak of 274 consecutive games with a reception. Oh, uh, yeah. The Raiders did beat the Buffalo Bills 13 to 10, but Jerry Rice did not get a reception in that game. I vaguely remember that era. Yeah, I wasn't watching a lot of football at that point in time. Yeah. So, uh, we do have some trivia for this episode. Are you ready? Sure. Yes. So, please. In the warehouse for the trust, Carter identifies a couple of rockets as VX missiles. Yeah. And they, uh, she sees some glowing fluid and she calls it (laughs) methylphosphonothionic acid. Sure. Um, and she says it's nerve gas. Uh, and it is a nerve gas. It's a precursor to the organic phosphate nerve agent VX, sure. uh, which is the deadliest nerve agent known. Um, however, there is no such thing as a recognizable VX rocket. Aha. I mean, it's just a rocket that, that that's just it's just a rocket. And if you you know put in it VX gas or methylphosphonothionic acid or blah blah blah. Uh, you know, sure, but you can't identify. There's no rocket that says, "Hey, I'm specifically for the VX variety See, of the, the the gas." I would like to. I would like to to officially take umbrage. Can I? May I do that, Zach? Oh, absolutely. Take umbrage. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, we are in season eight of Stargate SG One, uh, and the what the original mission of the SGC was to use the gate to travel to worlds to find no it, not the original but like it shortly became the mission to go find stuff to protect earth against the ghoul world right right sure yes so as i have complained about previously um we are in an era where there have been several years worth of exploration and acquisition of technology we see it all the time 
the Prometheus is the biggest example. Indeed. And so um, I understand that there's a nerd out there that really felt happy writing a trivia point about how there's no such thing as a recognizable VX rocket. But I got bad news for that trivia writer. They're wrong. Okay. They built a VX rocket in the Stargate universe using uh, a, a technology that they've acquired off world. The end. <laughs> That's uh, plain and simple. There you go. Okay. Yep. All right. I approve. Um, also, the the uh, glowing fluid there uh, is is almost certainly tonic water uh, with a UV light and a little bit of quinine. Yeah. I mean, it was a cool effect. It was. It was. Um, yeah. So there you go. There you uh, go. This is the first and only mid-season finale to not end on a cliffhanger since the tradition began when the series moved <laughs> to sci-fi. Can I, can I spoil just a little bit, Zach? Oh, sure. I disagree. Okay. I think that that was a big cliffhanger at the end there. Uh, and I'll well, talk about why. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So it doesn't say... To be continued. There we go. Okay, that's fair. So in that regard, it's not a traditional cliffhanger. Yes. Um, so here's a little fun little tidbit. The technician that uh, Dr. Jan- Daniel Jackson looks at before he is sent to Osiris's Al-Kesh, and who yeah. later is standing on the crane with Master Sergeant Sylvester Seiler when yeah. the gate is reinstalled, is played by the ger- German journalist... Robert Vogel, who has been reporting on both SG-1 and Atlantis for German sci-fi magazines ever since the show started. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's just kind of a neat little nod there. Yeah. I read that, and, and uh, I, I only have IMDb to confirm that that is true, but uh, for this case, I no, actually, this, this one came not from IMDb, but from uh, the Stargate Wiki fandom. Yeah. Uh, whatever. But anyway. That's cool. It's so cool. Um, and then finally, the establishing shot of P3S114, um, is, that's where they first meet Zarin. Yep. That's a reuse of the mining operation, uh, reuse of the shot from Torella with the mining operation digitally removed. Torella is, if you don't remember this, Brent, this is the episode from the second season, Need, where they go and then Daniel Jackson gets addicted to the sarcophagus. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they just removed uh, the mining operation around uh, off of that, that plate, and then they used that same plate for, for this sure. establishing shot. I, and I also think that I saw a re- technically a reuse of footage when they were entering Area 51. They Probably. were definitely driving a vehicle that was basically the same thing toward a little staircase, which was exactly the same staircase that they were at you know, once upon a long time ago when they were visiting Area 51. Could be wrong, but on the other hand, like, hey, why not reuse shots like that? If it works, it works. It, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Brent, this episode in other languages, the title of this episode in other languages. Yeah. Uh, the Italians, the Spanish, the Germans, the Hungarians, they all call this episode Endgame. Yeah. Uh, the French call it Without Mercy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um. And then the Czech and the Russians call this episode Game Over, Man! Game, game Over, Man? No, just Game Over. <laughs> oh, I see. <sighs> nice. Uh, so, okay. There you go. Um, are you ready, Brent, for the synopsis of Endgame? Yes. Dive into it. All right, here we go. 
previously on Stargate SG-1. Symbiote poisoning, brought to you by our good friends, the Tok'ra. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Osiris, before she died, had access to Asgard beaming technology. Make a note of that. Yep, and yep. then we need to reintroduce the Trust, because they're going to be our bad guys for this episode. They pestered Alec Coulson, nearly destroying his business in the process. Well, okay, Coulson mostly destroyed his business on his own. But then they also, the trust, they blackmailed Daniel Jackson into translating some ancient text from ancient into Gua Wuld, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Okay, and now, Sergeant McKenzie is learning how to do gate operations from the best technician ever, the inimitable's chief master sergeant himself, Walter Norman Radar Davis Harriman. Yep. It's the night shift, and nothing is going on right now, so let's, let's get some coffee. And naturally, just when you turn your back on the Stargate, somebody chooses precisely that moment to beam it away from Cheyenne Mountain. How rude. How rude. It is now time for Colonel Carter and Dr. Jackson to figure out what happened. Teal'c is stuck off-world working with Rebel Jaffa and stuff, so we'll see him later. Um, we'll see him right now. Teal'c received a (laughs) do-not-proceed response when he tried to get back to Earth, which suggests that whomever took the gate has it set up, and it is still functional somewhere. And so Teal'c and his friend Mizell travel to the Alpha Site and check in. Colonel Pierce of the Alpha Site, who um, also can't contact Earth, something is amiss. Mm-hmm. And so Teal'c decides to go get himself a fancy ship to fly back to Earth, but when he re- re- arrives on P4S-161, he discovers that all the Jaffa were killed! All of them. No injuries on the bodies. Nothing. They just all fell over and died without Uh a mark. Those vile Tok'ra have finally betrayed all Jaffa everywhere and used that symbiote poisoning they have. We are mad and we must wring the necks of those false friends. Mm. Rawr! Rawr! Anyway, Daniel and Samantha continue their sleuthing process. They discover that someone tagged the Stargate with a locator beacon, allowing someone with access to Asgard beaming technology to beam it away. We also note that the Prometheus has been in a refit with an Asgard hyperdrive and transporters. Uh, We don't have the hyperdrive fixed yet, but, you know, more on that later. And we also don't have Asgard sensors, so that though we have the transporter technology, we don't have the sensors, which means we have to tag something before we can beam it up. Limited Mm -hmm. effectiveness. But there you go. Yep. Their investigation leads them to a warehouse because of course it does. And in this warehouse, they take out a few of the token goons there and they proceed to discover several missiles and a bunch of nerve gas. It's really, really nasty stuff. And in the scuffle, one of the canisters of nerve gas is broken and everyone expects to die a horrible death right then. But then no one does. Mm Mm-hmm. Eureka! This gas only affects ghoul symbiotes! Huzzah! We're safe! (laughs) Huzzah! (laughs) Hooray! Oh, wait. Hmm. Uh, Back at the Alpha site, Teal'c and Mazel are mad, but Colonel Pierce helps them see a different picture. All this Jaffa killing happened right when the Earth Stargate was taken. Something is amiss! Mm -hmm. We need more intel, and so... Teal'c and Mazel decide to get themselves captured by some Jaffa loyal to Baal who work for a Tok'ra deep undercover. Mm-hmm. Daniel and Sam's investigation then leads them to Area 51. And since some previous security breaches, Area 51's We Study Alien Devices Department has really upped its game. Our heroes talk with Dr. Bricksdale. 
he was working with the wrist device Osiris used to transport to her Alkesh cloaked in orbit around Earth. He says that, alas, he never got it to work properly. Spoiler, Brent, he is lying. He's lying. He's lying. Did you realize he was lying from the beginning? Uh, well, uh, we'll get into it. All right. Brixdale gets spooked by the appearance of SG-1 asking questions, and so he goes and complains to his trust handler, Hoskins. And to no one's surprise except Brixdale, he was followed by SG personnel. A chase ensues. The end result is Brixdale has been captured and Carter went missing, at least as far as the SGC knows. Uh, we know that she was beamed up to the Alkesh and then swiftly captured by the trust agents on the ship. Tilk and Mazel get captured by the Jaffa and brought before Zarin, a Tok'ra spy posing as a mid-level ghoul ruled in Ball's empire. Suffice it to say, she's angry at them as their pre presence threatens to expose her as a Tok'ra operative. Mm -hmm. She must now choose, do I kill you to save my cover, or do I help you and lose my cover? Ah! Anyway, Daniel interrogates Brixdale. Eventually, Brixdale admits that he figured out how the wrist device worked, and he used it to help the Trust gain access to Osiris's Alkesh. Once the Trust figured out how to use the, use the ship and the, the transporters themselves, however, they didn't feel they needed Brixdale anymore. But they still did give him a couple million of cool, hard cash stashed away mm -hmm. in a Cayman account. Now, Daniel says, if you help us figure out how to get the wrist device working again, we can let you keep the money. Well, all right, let's get started. I get to keep my money. <laughs> on the Alkesh, Carter learns what's going on. The Trust have a bunch of rockets, VX missile rockets, to be precise and a ton of the symbiote poison. And they are methodically attacking ghoul-ruled planets, especially in Ball's territory, to eliminate the threat. Jaffa casualties don't really matter one wit to them. Nope. Now, if you had three or four or five wits, then perhaps, but they only have the one, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Not enough wits. Not enough wits. <laughs> Sorry. The Trust opens the gate and launches a rocket through it to take out another planet. It turns out that this payload is on its way to the planet where Teal'c and Mazel are having a very lovely chat with the Toker Zarin. Oh no! The lovely chat ends quite quickly when she grabs her neck and she's like, Oh, ah, ah, ah! The poison is quite effective and kills everyone on the planet except Teal'c as he is no longer has his own symbiote. Yup. Hooray. Daniel prepares Rish. to beam up to the Alkesh, and General O'Neill wants to dissuade him, but also realizes it's probably the best crazy idea they have. Meanwhile, the Prometheus begins its search for the cloaked vessel. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, the hyperdrive on the Prometheus is not finished yet, and so if the Alkesh runs, the Prometheus will not be able to pursue. Daniel beams up and disables the cloak, which is good, and begins searching for Sam, and a means for disabling the hyperdrive, which is also good. And then he gets captured, which is not so good. But because the cloak is off, the Prometheus has found the Alkesh and wants permission from O'Neill to attack it. And O'Neill hesitates. The trust agents plan to kill Daniel and Sam. And just then the gate opens. It's Teal'c. He wants to know if he can come to the gate and join the party. And the distraction gives Carter and Jackson the opportunity they need to begin a scuffle. And so the scuffle ensues. And Jackson is able to stag a radio and call in the cavalry. Teal'c. He'll come on through the gate. It's open. And he does. And he saves the day. Hooray. 
but the other agents on the ship are powering it up. They're preparing to run. Oh no, quickly, Sam grabs some locator beacons and tags the gate as well as her teammates. And the Prometheus discovers the locator beacon signal and beams it aboard just before the Alkesh blasts into hyperspace. The trust have escaped with an Alkesh, but we have the gate and SG-1 back. Huzzah! Huzzah! The end. The end! So Brent. Yeah. Endgame. And we're talking about the Stargate SG-1 episode Endgame, not the Avengers movie Endgame. Yeah. What'd you think? So, uh, I'm going to go back to the cliffhanger, Zach. Okay. Tough decision. That's what Jack had to say. He did have to say it was a tough decision. And then everybody looked at each other like, why, what? Why do you, why, why, what's up with Jack? Because, because what's up with Jack, Zach? Yeah. Well, would you like me to tell you what's up with Jack? No, of course not. I got to find out for myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, Daniel's like, yeah, maybe we should have blown up the ship. When we had a chance. Yeah. Tough decision. It's like, uh, what's that? What's that about? Like, I mean, Hey, anyway, so th- I think that that's kind of indicative of, of, of what I thought about this episode. I got like super distracted by the last like five seconds of the, of the episode. Uh, this, this was, uh, this was a driving story for sure. And I was invested in finding out what was going to happen. Um, but it really does feel like it's setting up something else like th- this, I, I, obviously. Um, but whereas like a just magnificent piece of television storytelling will set something else up while also telling a compelling, compelling story on its own. This one felt, um, this one felt like it was doing a job and it was a good job, but it, it didn't quite feel like a story so much. Um, and I don't mean to say that there wasn't a story here it's just more like this happened then 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 this happened and now we're at the end and uh you know the urgency of Teal'c and the other Jaffa in trying to figure out what happened was was present but I don't think that we were able to spend enough time with him and the Jaffa to really feel the kind of urgent urgency that 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 undoubtedly they were mm-hmm. um we we didn't seem to spend enough time trying to figure out how to figure out how to get the gate right it it happened we put it all together but it it just kind of felt like it was just like lego pieces that were just getting clicked in you know first this then this then this it didn't really feel like there was any setbacks maybe that's a better way to say it it just happened um and you know we we have a great pile of information and yes a a a launching of presumably the second half season story where, uh, you know, millions upon millions of Jaffa are dead. Uh, the, so what does that mean for our grand Alliance? Well, you know, we don't have a grand Alliance anymore, but you know, like what does that mean for the power situation? Um, right. The, you know, the Tokra seem still like far away. Um, even, even the plan to connect with a Tokra agent, uh, ends with no information going to the Tok'ra. Uh, I, I gotta admit, for a minute, I was pretty worried about Teal'c's safety until I realized he doesn't have a symbiote and he hasn't had one in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, right, yeah, he's he's fine. It'll be fine. Um, He'll be fine. Yeah, which also then meant that that, that, the, that the, the urgency to, or the impact, maybe better said, the impact of that, uh, of that, of that toxin in the atmosphere just didn't quite feel as palpable to me at least uh it it's one of those things that when when the when the numbers of 
casualty starts approaching the numbers that we were told on screen, it's just hard to convey the magnitude, and then it's hard to absorb the magnitude, right? Like, right, right. You know, one person close to you dying is a bad thing. Several people close to you dying, are, it's it's uh, it's just destroying. Uh, the more people, the harder it is for an individual to feel it. It just turns into a number all of a sudden, and so. Uh, so that 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 moment was kind of suffering from that a little bit too. Uh, it's still a, a a complete catastrophe, but what does it actually mean? It's tough to tell, and it was hard to feel, and we didn't spend a lot of time in there. So right. this episode felt like it moved pretty swiftly. I think that it would have benefited from some more time with some focus either here or there, you know, somewhere with the focus. Uh, you know, not not sure where, but maybe maybe be- maybe best said is that um. You know, we we could uh, perhaps we could have. Uh, oh yeah, th- th- I think this is related. The 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 trust the trust's only ability to implement this plan was to steal Stargate Command's gate, and that felt like it. Well, so it's the easiest way of doing it, but it's also the surest way to get caught. Versus, well, so here's their plan. They figured. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a there's a a risk analysis there going on. Uh but um if they steal the gate and use it, uh they can I mean the the thing that that is least believable is how lazy they seem to have been in the process of this because they we I don't know, they get like three or four planets taken out. Um Right. You right. know, they, they could have, in the time that they had, they could have done way more. And maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did, and we just don't see that. Um, maybe which, maybe they did launch a bunch of missiles, but lots of them didn't have any or enough Jaffa or Ghoul. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I mean, I mean, we only saw, we only saw a sliver of the scope. So they had hours, you know, yes. perhaps days with the gate. Um, and... You know, let's say it takes 30 minutes to load up a rocket and blast it off. Um, that's a lot of planets. That's a lot of planets. That's a lot so of rockets. So if they did that, then Yowzer, um, that's way faster, you know, than, than loading the Alkesh up with all sorts of stuff and then flying from planet to planet to planet to planet to planet. Um, now, what would probably have been a... Well, I don't know. So then the question becomes, well, I was thinking they may have been able to take the ship and fly it fly to, to a planet with another a gate. planet with a gate. Yes. And then yes. take that one. But then the question is, um, you'd have to, you know, would would the would the DHD be able to interface with their technology, the their Maybe. equipment? But I don't think that is, you know, anyway, if they did that, we wouldn't have a fun story. Ah, uh, but we, but maybe oh, we would have, have a, a more fun story. We'd have a different fun story. Yeah, and I think that's kind of it. It's like, like I, I, I respect that the story took this path that it took. But um, if I were an evil mastermind, I think I'd take that Elkash, fly somewhere, and be launching my attacks from the somewhere, making it basically impossible. For anybody to figure out where the attacks were being, where, where they were originating from, right? Like, yeah, maybe not completely impossible, but certainly a lot. You'd have a lot more time. I mean, to your point, we didn't really see, you know, hundreds of planets could have been affected uh, 
Okay. I, I, now that I'm kind of talking it through, I think I'm just nitpicking. So I'm, I think I'll just let it go. One thing, though, that did stand out a little bit. Um, was I supposed to recognize that gate address that Samantha Carter said, don't waste your time with? Um, possibly. I don't, didn't recognize it. So No, neither did I. And I couldn't tell if her look of satisfaction at the end was that she actually protected something or what? I mean, like, I, I'm fairly certain that the character, Samantha Carter, recognized that there was something on that planet of value um, uh, that, you know, shooting a missile like this, you know, would be really bad. Um, but I and, and maybe there are Stargate nerds that are nerdier than me um, know what that is, but I didn't pick up on the gate yeah. and what was going on there. I, I think that was just kind of, I think that was wasted time. Because if you're, if you have to be that much of a super nerd, then that's, that's too much. Like, you know, that then, then what's the point of having that conversation? Right. I so, mean, it, it, you know, what it does is it gives her something to, you know, try to stop them from doing something. But, uh, they, they launch a missile at the next spot anyway. Right. Uh, so, so you saved planet X, but you then now sacrificed planet Y in the process. So what was special about Planet X? Um, it's a version of the trolley problem. But if it's a trolley problem, then we spent absolutely no time on the trolley problem, right? That's true. And so that's my that's my beef with it. It's like, look, what's why 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 was that scene in there? <sighs> Whatever. Okay. So how did I feel overall? Um, I I was uh I liked it and I liked a lot of the information, but I'm not sure if I felt like this was an actual like decent story. It just felt like there was an awful lot of things. It's it's yet another example of like I, I felt like I was reading an encyclopedia uh, about the events, um, which is really interesting now that I'm reflecting on it. Like the amount of emotion that I'm feeling when watching this show seems to be decreasing. Like there just seems to be an awful lot of like this is going to happen, then this happens, then this happens, and it's bad. But like, but the hero that I'm attached to is actually literally invincible to it, and. The magnitude is so great, I can't actually feel it. And I haven't seen these guys in so long anyway, so then what's the point? Um, and, you know, the 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 new bad, the new Earthbound bad guys are, like, becoming more powerful because they now have a ship, I guess. But, you know, we were still able to kind of outwit them, but at least we didn't solve the problem with C4. I guess that has a good thing going for it. Yeah, there you go. And so, I mean, I'm just kind of feeling like, yeah, I mean, okay, this happened. And it happened. And it's not bad. But I'm not like singing its praises. So there we go. That's 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 kind of wrapping up where I'm at. What about you? What do you think about this one? So <clears throat> overall, I enjoyed this episode. Yep. Um, it felt more like a uh, an SG one episode of previous seasons than we have seen in most things this season. Uh huh. Right. Um. Uh. We get some actual off world travel. Uh, if it's not our whole team and they're not going to, you know, the planet of the week, but, uh, um, you know, they're, um, yeah, I don't know, it just, it just felt like there was more going on, more, like, this is a season where we spend so much time on the base and then we go visit Teal'c's house or apartment and then, yeah, you know, um, and then we we have Teal'c's girlfriend come, and we have a terribly misogynistic episode. And yeah, um, and I'm trying to remember. Let me pull up here real quick. I have it right here. Previous episodes, um, you know, we had 
uh, lockdown and zero hour and just Avatar. You know, we go. They're they're decent episodes. They're good episodes, but sure. But it's all on the base, um, with a few exceptions. Um, and and this one just takes our heroes, um, puts them in the field a little bit more. Uh, I felt, and I appreciate that. I I, I liked that. Um, uh, to see the the nefarious plan of the trust begin to develop and uh, see our heroes try to to deal with that uh, in kind of a jovial way. I, I appreciate the scene with uh, Jackson and O'Neill as, you know, Jackson's strapping everything together. He's getting ready to beam up to the ship. And uh, O'Neill is like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? Is there something better that we should be doing? Um, to me, I took that as Jack wanting desperately to be the guy that goes up there and does the things, um, and oh, not yeah. just be the yeah. general that sits back and waits for everybody to do everything. Um, I appreciate that con- uh, that conversation. I-, I loved the 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 humor that Siler gave, uh, and and that scientist in the background as he looks, and then he's like, "I'm gonna back away now." Yes, <laughs> yes. Um. You know, n- nothing came of it, but but it was just a fun moment uh, that that made me uh, smile a little bit there. Um, it there there's there's not a whole lot to this episode in terms of philosophy. Uh, no. I mean, you ask the question, you know, do the goods of the many outweigh the needs of the few? You know, you know uh, that type of thing. I suppose you know you talk about you know, do you kill hundreds of thousands if not millions of Jaffa to take out some uh some bad guys um you know what kind of collateral damage is too much where's that line um we get that question uh we don't really get it addressed um other than the 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 trust are clearly able to say yeah uh, taking out the ghoul world is way more important than killing a few hundred thousand Jaffa. So we don't care. Um, and of course, part of the, the SGC's mandate from the very beginning is that, like, yeah, we want to defeat the ghoul world, but we don't want to be mass murderers in the process. Right. Um, so that that's wonderful to see, but, it, you know, there's not much grit there to, to chew on. Um you know, it's just a fine episode. It it, it it's right there. It, it tells a story. It kept me engaged uh, for it. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, this is my roller coaster. I'm going to take my roller coaster and rip, 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 rip. there it is. Right. right. Um, uh, it was it was good to see the Tokra again to just kind of be reminded that they're still around because we haven't really talked to them or seen them since they left the Alpha site. However many, whenever that was. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, and you know, so uh, I appreciate that. Um, I I don't have a lot for this episode. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of my beef with it. It's like, you know, you're saying, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed uh, watching the characters do their character thing. I like the banter. I like the interplay between the various characters. Loved it. Um, especially between Jack and Daniel. Like that, like they, they've got a thing, man. Like, like they, they know how to play off of each other and it works really well. It's delightful. Um, seeing, uh, Teal'c in this like phase two Teal'c is cool. I, yeah. I like watching him do that and watching him be impassioned 
with the Jaffa was good. Like it was believable, even though, like I said, I was having a hard time get, you know, feeling the scope of the problem. And they did a zoom on him where he's tearing up because I mean, Hey, this matters. Uh, it, but just in the context of the story, it didn't feel like it had the punch that it needed. And I think that as I'm reflecting on it, I think that's my criticism of it, which is there was a there was a good 40 minutes of television to talk about the morality of using the weapon. Like, like go ahead and dig into that a little bit instead of having a you know a two minute conversation. Um, I think you could have had a full episode on that. Uh, even if it's a bit of a repeat, as I'm kind mm-hmm. of reflecting on it, like I still think you could do that because. Because it is a good question, I think. Um, you know, imagine that the imagine instead of targeting random worlds, what they were doing was that they were targeting uh, a world where the intelligence was pretty strong that Ball was on it, right? Like, okay, right? And and, and okay, now now your question is: Yes, you're gonna take out uh, millions of Ball's soldiers and slaves and some of your allies and of those millions of soldiers and slaves all of them are indoctrinated but they're still indoctrinated as in let me rephrase that differently um is it right that they are that 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 they deserve to be killed absolutely not but if you don't are they going to suddenly become your friend no they're going to kill you and so do you launch this attack and take out a major player and then repeat that process over and over and over again as different ghoul system lords are trying to fill the vacuum. And it's of course it's 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 horrific when you think about it from a from a life scale, right. but from a war scale, isn't that exactly what you want to do? Um, so that, I think that's an interesting question. So you know the 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 the, the heinousness of this action in our episode is that it was random ish, sort of random, right? They were they were they were targeting places with tons of Jaffa. But they they weren't being strategic about it. They were just they were just being um, oh wanton is one word, but it's something attrition. They were just doing a war of attrition, sort of, sort of, right. But you know, th- but it, by no means were they being careful about it. They were just they were just going. They were just the big old machine gun, blah, 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 you know, like yeah. And- well, and the question becomes in that regard, um, you know, Ball has not only Jaffa but also the super soldiers. Do they have symbiotes? A, I can't remember. Yeah, they do. They're, they are okay. actually Gua'uld. Now, the question becomes, with that armor and such, would they be susceptible to something like this? Oh, I don't know the question. answer to that question. That's never addressed. Um, however, um, taking out the the Jaffa and a few minor Gua'uld in service of Ball is yeah. relatively small potatoes. If you could yeah. potentially take out Ball himself and or eliminate the super soldiers now you've got something that could be um game changing uh killing the jaffa aren't going to change a whole lot of the game so long as ball has the super soldiers available yeah that's yeah 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 i think there's an interesting thing but we didn't get that and i think there's an interesting episode in um the trust getting an el cash i I think there could have been a full episode about how they do it and then they win I think you could have 40 minutes of of trying to stop them getting this thing. You know, there's a mole or something at Area 51. You know, like you, you get a little closer, you take a step back, you know, you have yourself a proper mystery and it ends with them getting away. Oh, they got away. Like, you know, like well, and they did get away in this episode. Of course they did. But, you know, you could have a whole episode of just that. 
But instead, we have a little bit of that and a little bit of a genocide. <laughs> so <laughs> just a little result, bit of genocide. It's not just, that just, big a deal. Just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little genocide. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I was about to say I don't know how to feel about this one, but on the other hand, I know exactly how to feel about this one. It's just meh, and it's a little disappointing. So maybe what I'm really saying is I'm not sure what I feel about this season. <laughs> like, so this this would be. Um, we're now halfway through this season. Um, this is one of those seasons that, that I have real mixed feelings about. Yeah. Um, I think there are some amazing episodes in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, most of which we haven't come to yet. Oh, good. Um, that said, um, this is a season where because O'Neill, who was the star of the show, took a step back and became the general. Um, and there was this tug from the powers that be of the show to uh, kind of keep things close-ish to O'Neill so that mm-hmm. O'Neill can't be there um, because he still can't be there because Richard Dean Anderson isn't going to be available on Tuesdays and right. Thursdays. Right. Um, uh, but there was that tug and... And there's this great feeling that they got away from what made Stargate Stargate, which is a group of heroes, most of the time, going to another planet, finding a problem, and trying to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and this is an episode, this is a series season where, for the most part, um, the bad things come to Earth, and now they just have to sit in their offices and figure out how to solve the problem. Which yeah. is fine such as it is, but it doesn't make for exciting television for me. No, um, that's my life. I sit in an office and figure things out. I don't want that. Yeah. Now, like I said, um, there are some really good episodes, I think, coming up that break that standard mold of, of yeah. season eight. Okay, good. Um, and, and the scale of things built... And I don't want to say anything more than that because spoiler territory. <laughs> Fine. Yes. Um, good. But your reaction to the season um, resonates with me, right? The, the, there's there's a lot of that it, that I've experienced. That this is kind of a season that just kind of you know there's there's a lot of good things in it, but just as a whole, it just kind of is like it's right there. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's where I'm at. Yep. Well. Uh, are you ready to give this a Chevron rating? Yeah, I think I am. All right. So I liked it, but I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There was lots of things that I really did enjoy. I I, I think that might be the best way to say it. Um, there were tons of things that I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching the interplay of the characters. I enjoyed watching my heroes do their heroy thing. I enjoyed getting more information. I enjoyed uh, watching uh, the actors play off of each other, play off of the information. I, like there was a, I liked watching an awful lot of that stuff. I liked where the story went, and I liked where we ended. And so, why do I feel so meh about it? I'm not sure. And maybe that's for me to reflect on a little bit more. But I mean, it's true. I, I just feel meh about it. I feel positively meh. And the meh is, I'm going to give, I have a number in my mind and it's a strong version of the number, but it's still a four. 
out of seven. Like, it's not a five. It's a four because it just it it felt like um it felt like required reading that needs to be done in advance of a good conversation. Mm. But but it's still required reading, and you're not sitting there going, "Oh my goodness, oh, I'm just it's just riveting. I'm just page page turning." No, it's more like, no, I mean, you got to get through it to get the context, uh, and that's gonna and that's gonna help, and you're gonna enjoy once we start having the good conversation. But to get there, we got to do this first. So okay, we're gonna do this first, and. So it's fine, but it's not great, I don't think. And so for me, it's a four out of seven. What about sure. you? Um, I'm going to give this a five. Yeah. Um, I like it a little bit more than that. Um, or maybe uh, I'm willing to let it just tip over the scale to the five instead of the four. I'm not sure. Um, sure. Mostly because uh, I think you're right that, that this is an episode that, that is fine. It's good. It's, it's not awesome. It's not great. Um, but when I just sit back and I watch it, um, you know, if I'm just doing my popcorn thing, I enjoy it, right? There, there's, yeah. there, it, it takes me for a ride. It, it leads me to the place. Uh, it keeps me focused on it. Um, so, you know, for that, I'll give it a five. Yep. Yep. Sounds reasonable. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, I think now, Brent, it is time for predictions. Yes. Uh, let me see if I can find them. Oh, I should have pulled this up and had this, ready to go, <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, um, that's okay. All right, I have it. Okay. Right, this yes. Yep. All right. We'll start with uh, JD. Hi, JD. JD says, as the Scottish play says, it's a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. <laughs> That's actually not this episode, but I wanted to sound <laughs> smart before Rowan got in. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, okay. Uh, it's a decent episode with some actual stakes, but feels like the stakes are too high, so you know it'll turn out okay. Because of that, I never personally felt like there was truly a danger. Yeah. I can see this either going for a good talk that will end in fives and sixes for our intrepid heroes, Zach and Brent, uh-huh. oh, hey. or a nothing burger that results in threes and fours, yeah. since I feel like the episode is a nothing burger. Yes. I assume it'll be sixes. I assume it'll be sixes. Uh, JD concludes, uh, it's good to be listening and be wrong every week again. I truly miss <laughs> this every week. <laughs> I mean, you weren't super wrong. It I was mean, kind of a both. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we did kind of straddle your, your two ranges there. Yes, for the reasons you specified. Yeah. Okay, so now we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, looks like we're finally getting some action on the trust plot line. Is uh-huh. this supposed to be a funny episode? Because it right. feels like everyone is doing a bit. It doesn't seem like an episode featuring a literal genocide should lean too much on humor. Yeah. Oh no, the Stargate has been heisted. Earth's phone lines are cut. They have no way of communicating with the rest of the galaxy, including Teal'c, who is off-world doing Jaffa things. Area 51 has been compromised too, or at least Dr. Smug British has. Uh, the Trust has <laughs> gave him a bunch of money to give him access to Osiris's ship cloaked somewhere in Earth's orbit, which they are using as a base to fire rockets armed with symbiote poisoning through the gate to ghoul-controlled planets. Uh-huh. This is bad. 
Millions of Jaffa are dead already. Tilk almost showed an emotion. See? It's not <laughs> funny. Right. Too bad more of them haven't switched to Tritonin. Nine out of ten Jaffa doctors recommend Ha 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 ha. Tritonin. Save yourself the trouble today. Talk to your Jaffa doctor before it's too late. <laughs> Sam gets onto Osiris' ship by accident because apparently our hero's thing this week is just grabbing potentially dangerous mystery objects. And clicking them. Daniel to the rescue. Tilk to the rescue. Prometheus to the rescue. O'Neill to the unwillingness to make any tough calls. Fortunately, mm. we got our gate back and everyone we care about made it out alive. But the dastardly trust are still out there willing to do anything to achieve their ends. This is a coherent, action-packed story that carries forward the main season arc. Brent will give it a 5, and Zach will give it a 5.5. Also close. Very close. This episode has an IMDb rating of 7.7, which is four chevrons, putting it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall. Uh-huh. Very nice. Next, we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. So the gate goes missing, and Stargate Command team have to become detectives and make some pretty big leaps in logic along the way. The storm outside is getting pretty fierce, so I'll be quick with my notes. Mm. Number one. Oh, Walter's got the night shift now. Maybe they rotate and this is his turn. Number two. I don't know about you, but if something like a gate disappeared from the base on my watch, I would hit that big red alarm button that was they use from time to time. Uh-huh. Yes. Number three. Ah, the old zoom and enhance. Yes. TV's favorite yes. non-existent trick. Enhance. 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 No, no, no. There are seven pixels in that spot. You can't enhance <laughs> them anymore. You nope. can't all of a sudden make it 14 pixels. That's not how pixels work. That's not how pixels work. Ah. Uh, all right. You could turn it to look like a dog that suddenly is wearing a lab coat. There you go. Number four. Hey, it's Thor again. Uh, not the Asgard version, but the actor who was the original hologram version of him. Yeah. But Zach already mentioned that. I didn't actually mention that, but Did it is not. true. No. Um. But I will say that I mentioned that the, when we first saw Mizell in a season seven episode. I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head. Um, but whenever Indeed. we saw him last, that, I did mention it then. So there you go. Yep. Number five. That feeling when you should be dead but are more puzzled as to why you aren't? Sure. Sure. Uh, number six. That Area 51 scientist reminds me of Spleen from Mystery Men. Could be. I don't know that. He reminds me of one of the guys from Flight of the Concords, and I can't remember which, what his name is, but ah, well, that's who he reminded me of. There you go. Number seven. I once named a D&D character Terran based off the Tok'ra name Zarin. Oh. Well, there you oh, go. There you go. Uh, how did Colonel Pierce know Zarin had a female host? Uh, because he did. So that <laughs> now means they have jamming devices and prevent locator beacons. TER technology to prevent cloaked people from coming through. And the high-pitched frequency to prevent the foothold aliens from coming through disguised. Yeah. This episode was a lot better than I remembered. I wasn't looking forward to this one coming up, but I had fun. I predict fives from both of our handsome hosts. Hey! Hey, Brent. Thanks for coming. We're, we're handsome. You Very got close. my prediction right, but Brent yeah. gave it a little bit less than that. That's right. That's right. Uh, and now we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, my only criticism is when Teal realized the chemical weapon has been released, he could have said to his fellow Jaffa to remove his symbiote. Uh, yeah, I thought that too. We know a Jaffa can survive a set time with sim without with symbiote without a symbiote, 
and Tilk would have had spare Tritonin to give him two. Other than that, it's a decent enough episode, which I predict is a five from Brent and five and a half from Zach, very and close. a five from me. Very, very close, Sean. Yep. Uh, and those are our Facebooks. Nice. I got some stuff in the discords. Let me just double check. Yep, yep, oh. yep. yep. Uh, I'm sorry. I had to poke around in a couple other places to make sure that uh, we're good. Okay, I think we're good. Okay. So first, we've got... Uh, so did you confirm that uh, Grahammerby is uh, Ben? Yes. Is that what you confirmed? Grahammerby okay. is Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. So we got Ben. He says, at work, I'll try to remember this one. I think it was boring and plotted along. Advance the meta narrative, but that's about it. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> boring. That's Ergo. So, so, so here we go. This is, what, this is what his predictions are. This is great. Four and four and a half, respectively. Three and a half, personally. Uh, he got one of us. If he, he did. If the four was me, then he got that right. And then four and a half was very close to you. Or it could have been four Zach and four and a half me, but it's tough to tell because he didn't put the... He didn't put the people in the front, so... Fair enough. However, I'm going to assume that he said four... Did he say four and four and a half? Yes. Well, then he meant you with a four and me in the four and a half, because you don't give half ratings. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so he was really close. He was very nice. Three and a half, personally, he said. Very, very good. And then we've got David, who created yet another meme, this time with uh, faces. And Zach, you should definitely check it out if you haven't checked it out. All right, let me go check it out. I'm checking out the memes and the faces. I have to go to predictions. Yes. And, um, oh yeah, there's, there's Brent's GIF about asking us to share your thoughts about this. Yeah. And then, oh, I did notice this, the, the Stargate Endgame Infinity picture with too many faces. And he got a Brent in there. And he and got a Zach. Zach in there. Yes. <laughs> and a David. And, and a David's David. in there too. I, yep. I'm, I'm Ant-Man. You're, who am I? What? what? I can't tell who you are. I can't tell either. Doesn't matter. There's a there's there's a meme. Go go look. It's a very high quality meme. You should totally you should totally check it out because he it's did super put high Thor quality. on Thor. He did he did put Thor on Thor. That's right because that makes sense. That doesn't All right. make sense. All right. Then we got uh, we got Jen. Hi, Hi Jen. Jen. Endgame. What's that about again? The whole episode is so boring that I have even forgotten what it was about after I watched it last week. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! I have to look up the summary. Opens Google. Types in SG. Endgame reads, closes Google. Okay, here we are. Yeah, the story advances the plot quite a bit, but I don't know what it is with Endgame. It totally passed me by. Uh, plot advancement renders the episode unskippable, but for me, it's really something to leave on running while doing anything but watching. Vacuuming would be a perfect task for this episode. <laughs> I know I'm being overly harsh here. In theory, it had good moments, but it was a bit too exposure heavy. The story should have focused on either the trust or the Jafar Rebellion. I agree. Having both in one episode was a tad too much. And like that, the episode as a whole crash landed. Mm. Ratings wise, it's a three out of seven for plot reasons only for me. Brent or Zach will delve into a discussion about what would have rescued what would have rescued this mess of an episode. Or they discuss the philosophical depths of collateral damage. Indeed, we did both. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> instead of Endgame... The episode should have been named Collateral Damage. A much better fit. For Brent, he usually doesn't like overboarding episodes like this, but then again, it's Brent, our beloved agent of chaos. He's going to go for a three out of seven. Zach, on the other hand, he's seen this episode many times. I wonder if he feels the way I do about it. But since Zach, since it's Zach and he's given a half Chevron extra, three and a half Chevrons from Zach. So we liked Ah. it just a little bit more. A little bit more than 
And then we've got Kevin sneaking in with a prediction that's not really about the episode, but he predicts that nobody will get a dupa dupe for this episode. But here we go over to the emails. Let's find out. We have one email from David. Okay. Hello, David. David has a no Chevron encoding bias buffer because someone stole my Stargate. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has nice. anyone else made an Avengers Endgame joke yet? I'm going uh, to assume so. I mean, it would be a snap to make a joke like that. Oh, bad. Oh, that is bad. Oh, bad. Oh, uh, you know, like, but you see, here's the problem, though, is that you gotta... You, to make that kind of a pun, you're going to have to kind of set things up, and it probably is going to take you at least seven or eight tries before you're there. Well, you know, that's fair, too. Yeah. But hey, don't worry. You just you just get one of us on the case, and we can undo that terrible pun for you there using you our powerful technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we just have to enter the quantum realm and save the day. No, I can literally edit it out. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> it's a lot simpler than that, but yeah, here okay. we go. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh... David continues, one dead free Jaffa is a tragedy. A million dead free Jaffa is a statistic misattributed to Joseph Stalin. Yeah. So the episode happened and then it's over. Great. Not a reset to zero, though. Millions are dead. Jaffa, maybe more than one Tok'ra. We know who did it. The trust. Who is behind the trust, though? They seem to have a lot of intel. We know who their agents are, but... Who is the power behind the trust? Mm-hmm. Keep watching. Okay. As for the episode, it was good and I enjoyed rewatching it. It's important to the meta story and some critical things happen. Multiple rewatches, though, become, oh, this is the one where that happens rather than, yes, this is the one where that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Zach is going to give this five chevrons because the impact is lessened upon multiple rewatches. Brent is going to give it five chevrons because it had a lot of oh no moments, but he knew our heroes would survive. Yeah, little, little less. Yeah. But close. Yeah. So, um, just to be clear, Kevin, just because you predict that nobody is going to get a dupe a dupe <laughs> and you are accurate in that prediction does not mean that you get a dupe a dupe for your no, accurate no, prediction. No, 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 that's not how it works. The dupe a dupes happen when you predict chevrons. However, Kevin can have a little bit of bragging rights that he predicted at least something. So, Kevin, I, I want you to raise your your hand and bend it around your shoulder and yeah. pat yourself on the back four uh-huh, times. Uh-huh. Yes, four times. One, two, three, four. Great. That's right. That's right. If you do anything more or less than four, the number is four. I know some people say it's three. It's not three. It's four three. right now. It's four. Yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, uh, you know you can you can give yourself that that pat on the back there. Any more is too much. Any fewer is too few. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, and as we are recording this now, Justin the Loquacious gives a gif that says, prediction of prediction of prediction, uh, for your thus end thing, the predictions. <laughs> so Thanks, Justin. Yep. Okay, Brent. Yes. It is time to shift gears to the next episode. We're yeah. back to the Pegasus Galaxy. Uh-huh. And we are going to watch the episode, The Storm. Uh-huh. And I ask you, what is The Storm all about? Oh, uh, The Storm. Boy, they don't give me much with these episode titles, do they? Well, or they nail it on the head. That's true. Okay, so let's, let's try this one. Okay, ready? Okay. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, 
The Atlantis friends travel far and wide to find themselves yet more allies in their attacks against the Wraith. Yes, they're on the attacking foot now. We've only been in it for half of one season, but we're done being defensive. No, no. Not only do we have a terrifyingly effective vaccine that kills half of a population, we seem to be on the trend of killing millions anymore in Stargate land, but we also have... Uh, hmm. Didn't we have something else? I thought we had a couple more friends along... Whatever, doesn't matter. Anyway... We have guys who are making bombs. That's right, bomb makings. But we also we also have a strange energy creature that's like out there somewhere. See, this is all going to come together inside oh. Brent's mind. <laughs> anyway, so we go out and we go on a, a grand scary adventure. place to be. I've lived in here for a long time. You get used to it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going off on an adventure, and they go off to lands far and wide through the Stargate and. This is one of those episodes that is going to take the place in, in, in universe. It will take place over the span of many months. Months upon months of time will transpire here. Oh, yeah, we have the mist creatures, too, but we don't like to talk to them. Anyway, um, and we find ourselves on a planet that is completely engulfed in a terrifying storm. Oh, just no! Absolutely, just a terrifying one. What, what on earth could possibly be causing this storm? Well, you see... They also have a device that we once saw way back when in Stargate SG-1 in the Tempest. Yes, the same very one, a weather controlling device. And they too have lost it as well. But instead of it being taken by accident from one of our SG teams and there being a diplomatic crisis, no, what we have on our hands is a good old fashioned mystery. You see, what happened... Yes, is that somebody entered through the Stargate. Now, let's be realistic. The Stargate is used for trade, seems like, amongst these many worlds. But generally speaking, the Wraith don't use it. And the Ancients certainly don't. They're nowhere to be seen. So the anyone, anyone else who is using it happens to be our intrepid heroes. But it wasn't them who stole it. Who could have done it? Alas, we will find that a mystery is to be revealed because somebody on that mist planet, decided they had had enough. And so they used the, the DHD, killed many of their own kind, oh no. and escaped through it, and ended up in the same place as the mysterious mist creature that was draining the energy from several weeks ago. Hmm? Yes, yes. Oh no. But they have decided what they need to do to take over the Pegasus galaxy is to get the weather-controlling device and go back to the planet of the mist people. Oh no, you see with that controlling device, they will suddenly have enthralled in their command all of the creatures of the mist. Oh, this is terrifying. No. They can go strike out from anywhere. Yes, they will be sacrificing many of their own kind to get there, but this is a war of attrition, a proper war of attrition. One where they were not unwilling to sacrifice in their collateral damages the many in order to finally vanquish those who would seek to use their stargate inappropriately whatever the word i'm looking for inappropriately oh, we have ourselves a grand problem join us next time on stargate atlantis where the mist creatures join forces and using the power of the storm Vanquish their foes. <laughs> so, Zach, is this going to be, uh, are we going to have some storm creatures? Oh, uh, well, there's going to be a storm. There are I going to be, the I mean, 
you can call them creatures, I guess. <laughs> just how far off the mark am I? Well, let's just say that uh, if the instructor on the shooting gallery was downfield, he wouldn't be anymore. <laughs> Ooh, ouch! Not only did I not hit the mark, I killed somebody. Oh, no, that's terrible. Sorry. Shall we watch the promo? <laughs> yes. Yes, let's watch the promo. Okay. I am hitting play now. Next time on Stargate it can't be a storm. Stretches across the whole horizon. I've never seen something like that from so high. Storm stretches across the whole horizon. Atlantis sits defenseless <laughs> against an Look at that storm. storm! The people who That's built this storm. city knew they had a force field capable of holding back anything Mother Nature or, for that matter, the rain could throw at them. Without that protection, Atlantis is remarkably fragile. Even our conservative calculations project widespread structural damage. If you're a know. friend, you'll help. If not, tell me now so I can ask somebody else. While an evacuation mm -hmm. is planned, another enemy plots. This is the rarest of Hey! Uh-oh! Within the next hour, there will be less than ten people on Atlantis. Most of them will be scientists. Now surely you can accomplish our goals and get out before the storm hits. Will anyone uh -huh. be able to withstand uh -huh. the wrath of the storm? It's all next time on Stargate Atlantis. Oh no! Oh. oh, okay. So there is a storm, but it's not the storm misty people. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe that's the mystery. Maybe, maybe. Um, we do need to say thank you to uh, Meat Shield, uh, Captain Meat Shield, Mister Meat Shield. I don't remember what it is, but he's the 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 metal guy who makes the music. Oh yeah, that, that, the background of that. So that's pretty cool. There it is. Super cool. Thank yep. you. Um, well, thank you very much, listeners. Tell us what you think about this episode and all of our episodes. Email us at Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, <laughs> go to the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page, the Facebook group, <laughs> all of those things. Uh, if you want to buy us a coffee, go to buy me a coffee at uh, well, space. Space! Uh, and then click on the little coffee thing. If you want yep. us to watch uh, the, 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 the Stargate Infinity. Infinity, do the thing. Click yeah. on the thing and the, the, the stuff. Um, and with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.